How many of you were in church last week? Okay, quite a few. My husband preached the most amazing sermon. I was so proud of him, and I've, I have so much respect for him tackling controversial issues in church. Amen. So for those of you who haven't heard his sermon, I just really want to encourage you to download it, to listen to it. It's really something that we can't talk about every Sunday, but it's something that's so crucial for this season. So I'm going to also spend a bit of time just following up on things that he said and also just speaking from it uh, about it from a different angle. So for those of you who weren't here, Andre spoke about the effect of pornography on the church. And... There's the statistics that says that 60% of Christian men, and or even more, 60% plus, of Christian men and 30% of Christian women are battling with, with pornography, and it's even worse among teenagers. And I just want to read you a quote by Josh McDowell. He's, a, he's quite a well-known and respected uh, writer and a Christian apologist, so he, he convinces you that Jesus is, is the Son of God, and he, he, he wrote quite a few books, and he's an evangelist. So I just want to read to you something that, that he said about this issue. He, he says that pornography is probably the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in 2,000 years of church history, because it so undermines your life, your walk with Christ, and, and your beliefs. It starts to darken the door of, of the brain to consider the truths of the Christian faith. And it takes over your thinking, your morals, and your life. And as a result, it doesn't leave room for your walk with Christ. So just as a, as a follow-up on, on what Andre said last week, I just want to encourage you. If you are battling in this area, you are not alone. I know the devil wants to convince us often when, when we battle with these kind of things that you're the only one in the whole world and everybody looks so holy and you know everybody is so together and their lives are sorted out. There are many people who are battling and you are not alone and we do not condemn you. We want to help you, but we can only help you if you, if you talk about it. We can only help you if you speak up and, and bring it into the light. I don't know how many of you know the story of... Um, of Ted Haggard. He was a very, very in, um, incredible leader in the, in the United States. He was a leader of a mega church in America for 20 years. So in 2006, he was accused of drug use and homosexual re- relationship. And he stepped aside as the pastor of a 14,000 member church. Okay, we are about, I would say, 300, 350 maybe. <laughs> In the church, if we add all the children, he was, he was the pastor of a 14,000-member church. He was also the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. It was an umbrella group representing more than 45,000 churches with 30 million members. Okay, so this man was, he was important. He was an incredible leader. He had quite regular talks with, a, with parliament and politicians he did, he did so much for the Christian, for the Christian, um, for the church and for Christianity. He really walked a life of, 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 of overcoming life in, in many areas. He was very open about his struggles. However, he struggled in this area because he, he was sexually abused as a child. 
And a life of accountability and walking in the light with his wife and other people kept him in a safe place for many, many, many years. But after this incident and situation, he shared that he got to a point where he, he was so tired. He became so tired of speaking to his wife about his struggles that he stopped doing that. And that was the moment when he stopped talking to her. That was the moment he, he shares... I'll read you his exact words. He said, I was drawn into a deep pit of darkness. Why do, I, why do I share this with you? If there are things in our lives that we are battling with, and we need to confess and talk and bring it into the light, until the day we die, then we do it. I mean, this man was, he was an incredible leader. I mean, I read up on him again this week. He did so much good for Christianity and for the church. But the moment when he stopped talking about his struggles, because obviously for him, maybe he came to a point where it was just so embarrassing, you know. He was this, this man. And maybe he just, just thought, okay, I, I've overcome so many years. Maybe it's okay if I stop speaking. I don't know. I don't know exactly why, why I stopped. But... All of us are battling with certain things in our lives. And the moment we stop talking about it, the moment we stop confessing, we stop bringing it into the light, this is when, we, when, when there's trouble. Battling with things, it's not the problem. You know, there's a scripture in, in, in Isaiah 60 verse 2 that most of you would know it. It says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But, and this is the but I, I want us to focus on, but, there's a but. You know, so often, I mean, even Andrew and myself, we, we look at situations and we've, we sometimes feel quite overwhelmed by, by darkness. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> looked at the world or you look at the teenagers or you look, you look at the youth or you look at the schools or you, oh, you just look, look at the world. And we feel overwhelmed by darkness. But this scripture, what the scripture says is we shouldn't be surprised or we shouldn't freak out by the darkness. God said that there will be deep darkness and it will cover the people, but there's a but. And it's the but that, that should, should give us hope and should help us to look away from darkness to light. It says, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And I just want to emphasize again this morning, God is bigger than darkness. No matter what darkness we face, what corruption or sin or, or struggles or addictions, God is ultimately bigger than any darkness. But it's up to us to arise. Because God says his glory will be seen upon us. He will arise over us, but we need to partner with him and say, God, all the darkness in the world, it's going to, make, it's going to motivate us to shine brighter. Amen? Instead of just feeling so overwhelmed and you just want to run away and you just want to leave the country. And, you know, we, we have all, we have different mechanisms to cope with darkness. But ultimately, it should motivate us. We should say, yes, there's darkness. Let's not freak out about it. But let's shine brighter and let's walk in the light. Even if there's darkness in your own life or in your own heart, you experience that, 
You know, this darkness is overwhelming even in your own struggles. Let it motivate us to walk in the light. Because the moment there's light, I mean, have, have you ever seen a power struggle between light and darkness? Have you ever seen uh, the darkness fighting against light when you switch on a light? No, because there's not even a fight. There is not even a fight because the moment we switch on the lights and, and, and God is light. I mean, God is light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. How often do we say, let there be light in a situation where there's darkness? There isn't even a fight. But the question is, how often do we switch on the light? How often do we walk in the light? And how often do we pursue light to overcome darkness instead of being overwhelmed. I mean, so I just want to, for those of you who, who were here last week, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. It's not the end of the world if you battle with something. What is the end of the world, often, is if we don't talk because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your own head and the devil's got you exactly where he wants you to be. So, I really trust God this morning as well, just for us, not only in the area of pornography, I'm going to talk about different things, that, that God is going to highlight whatever is important to you, whatever you need to understand. Okay, we are different, our seasons are different, our situations are different, but whatever God wants to highlight this morning for you, I want you to get that. I mean, so let's just pray before I... I'm, I continue. Father, I honor you this morning that you are light. You are light. Father, I thank you that light is, is, is stronger than darkness, that you are greater than darkness. Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts this morning. Just, just pray after me, please. Just say, Father God, open my heart for what you want me to see this morning. I pray, Father that you will highlight whatever you want me to understand and whatever you want me to, to be free of this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I just want to ask you to open your hearts this morning. Where, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's there's just, that, that is why you know or, or when, how you discern between condemnation and conviction. When, when the Spirit of the Lord is somewhere in a, in a place or in, in your heart speaking to you, there's conviction, which means even if it's upsetting to you, whatever God is saying, it will make you feel lighthearted. It will give you hope. It will, it will make you feel, I can do this by the grace of God. When it's condemnation, you want to run away. You don't even want to go to God because obviously he's really cross with you. Okay, so that is condemnation. I trust the Lord this morning for conviction. It's freedom. It will give you hope. It will make you dance out here because you've got something to live for, even if, if you have struggles in your life. Amen? So I want to take you to a scripture, Matthew 5 verse 8. It says, blessed, happy, enviably fortunate, and spiritually prosperous, that's the amplified version, are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Amen. So if you can read this with me, I know it's going to sink in when we're all ready together. So just read it with me. Blessed, happy, enviably fortunate, and spiritually prosperous are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I know all of us have our favorites, eh? But I think for me, the scripture is just all over the years, it, it speaks so many things. It speaks so many things. Sometimes we just read, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But how many of you knew that blessed actually means happy, enviably fortunate? People will look to you and think, oh, I envy you. I envy you. And spiritually prosperous. That is what that word means, blessed. Are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They shall see God. And I know all of us do not battle with things like pornography or alcohol or, you know, things that in our minds, we, are, we sometimes categorize things, you know. At least I don't battle with that, you know. Or at least I don't battle with that. But would you agree with me that all of us are drawn to things in this world? We are, we are drawn. It's not even necessarily sin. And I think that is often the, the, the tricky part. You know, it's not classified as sin. Or you don't see it as sin. Or in general, it, it's not classified as sin. But all of us are drawn to things in this world that is not necessarily, uh, as I say, sin, but it, it steals our purity. It steals our ability to see God. Because it captivates our imagination. It captivates our hearts. It, it, it fills the space in our, in our heart that, that belongs to God. So we are drawn, all of us are drawn to so many things. And in the process, we miss out on being blessed. We miss, we're not necessarily even in a dark pit of sin. But we miss out on being spiritually prosperous. We miss out on being, on being blessed. So when, when we came back from Cape Town, we were in Cape Town for about two and a half weeks. And while I was praying, when we were there, I really felt God wanted me to, to lay down a, f- a few things in my diet. Just my, in terms of my eating habits, I felt God wanted me to fast from a few delicacies and things that I'm drawn to in the natural. So I've cut out sugar and coffee and, you know, a couple of things in my diet. I had a headache for three days. I know many of you would have experienced that. How you detox when you, when you fast from a few things. And I know there's many, you know, I'm not going to talk about diets this morning. I know there's many different opinions on this diet's the best, that diet's the best. And, but, but it seems actually as if all kinds of diets agree that sugar isn't so good for us, okay, to it's true, eh? I mean, it doesn't matter where you go to. High fat, low fat, I mean, just stay away from sugar. <laughs> but I think in the same way that we all are used to certain things in our diet, in our physical, in the, in the food and, the, and whatever we put in our mouth. In the same way that we are used to certain things that is actually not so good for us, but we are drawn to that. In the same way, we are drawn to certain things that is not so good for our spiritual health. 
Amen. We are, we are drawn to it, but we don't even, we don't always realize it. I mean, it's when I stopped eating sugar that I had my headache for three days, and after that I felt wonderful. But if we, if we don't ever separate ourselves from something in this world, if we don't ever fast, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to talk about the benefits of fasting and just separating ourselves from certain things. But if we don't ever do that, I don't think our eyes will ever open because we don't see it as so harmful or toxic. You know, we just, we just go on and go on. I mean, I've spoken to people who told me, many people in the past, who said to me, you know, if they watch movies where there's quite a bit of language, it really doesn't bother them. They can watch a 16-hour language movie, and it, it just totally doesn't bother them. And um, if, if you've ever been in that category where it doesn't bother you, I would be very surprised if you cut it out for a year and watch it again. I would be very surprised if it still doesn't bother you. Okay? I know we're all different. I know we're all exposed to different things, even in our workplace. I'm not saying we should stay away from people who do not know God. This is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that sometimes we are so used to certain things in our spiritual diet that it, it doesn't upset us anymore. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't do anything to us. You know, I remember watching a 16-language movie when I was at varsity. I, I didn't know better. I wasn't very into movies at school. So when I went to varsity, I was for the first time kind of confronted, you know, with all my friends just watching movies all over the show. And um, I was just really ignorant. And I walked with my roommate. We walked into this movie, 16-language, and it killed me. It, I, I walked out, you know, I, she wasn't really, she didn't really know God. So she was really enjoying this movie. I was like, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. This is how I felt. I felt as if, you know, and it's not only like swear words. It's now the name of Jesus and, you know, and this guy was just going on. I actually didn't expect it to be that bad. And it's years ago. I'm talking about years ago. And I still remember walking out and like shaking <laughs> I was so, it so upset me because I was not used to that at all. You know, that somebody could, you know, it's not even like when he, when he's cross. So it's like, it's just every sentence, you know, it's like, how is that possible? And I just know that sometimes in our lives, we're so used to different things in our spiritual diet that it doesn't even shock us anymore, or bother us, or even upset us. So I want to share with you this morning the benefits of fasting. And I know when it comes to fasting, it's like, oh, you know, who wants to fast? But I really trust that what I'm going to share this morning will be liberating. It's not going to condemn you. It's going to, it's going to excite you because there's something about fasting, not only food, but there's something about fasting from certain things in your life that's going to change you for the good. And it's painful. It's painful to stay away from something that you are drawn to. But the fruit, the end result is, is amazing. So the first benefit 
of a fast in the natural when we do a food fast is especially if you're not going to do it in January like we're planning to do, but more about that later. You can birth your Christmas food baby. I know no, nobody, has, nobody has a Christmas food baby, okay? But for those, maybe somebody in your family, you know, you can birth your... It's a joke, okay? It's a joke. Nobody of us going to have a Christmas food baby this year. But in January, that's one of the benefits. There's a lot of health benefits. You can, you can look it up on the internet. They talk about improvement in your blood pressure and your cholesterol reboots your immune system and reduces the risk of diabetes. There's actually plenty of health benefits. And I know it feels as if we're going to die when we fast. But I remember my mom freaked out when, when I was at school and I fasted for the first time. Now, you can't really hide it from your mom that you're fasting. And she was, she was really, really upset about me staying away from food because she couldn't see any benefit. In, in fact, she was just worried about her daughter not eating. And I still don't tell my mom when I fast. <laughs> it's like a secret between us because it's just we are on different wavelengths. And, um, but it really feels sometimes as if it, this can't be good for my body. But if you go and read up, there's so many health benefits, and this is not what I want to focus on this morning. But what, what I've experienced certainly, apart from all the health benefits, it certainly changes my appetite. It really makes you want healthy food instead of unhealthy food. So it changes your appetite. There's a, um, there's a beautiful testimony by Lisa Bevere. She's the, the wife of John Bevere. We, we watch one of our life group curriculums we, um, as part of our marriage enrichment. We, we watch the story of marriage by Lisa and John Bevere. Very powerful. She has a, has a testimony that she battled with eating disorders her whole life, her whole high school career. She battled with it for years and years and years. And three weeks before a wedding day, three weeks, girls, before a wedding day, she couldn't fit into her dress. It was not like as if it was a bit tight. She couldn't get into it at all, okay? Crisis. Huge crisis. So... And by, by then she knew God. She had a relationship with God. So, and she knew she's dieted for years. Years. One diet, another diet, and it didn't solve the problem. It didn't solve her problem. And then she felt God leading her to do a three-day water fast. I think she added a bit of juice, but it was primarily water for three days. She said, okay, God, I'm not dieting. This is a crisis, but I'm not going to die. I'm going to fast. And maybe you think, oh, isn't that pretty much the same thing? No. It's, it, there's a huge difference between fasting and dieting. And I'll explain a bit more. But for three days, she prayed, and she had only, well, primarily water. And after that, God taught her a whole new relationship with food. He told her to cultivate the right relationship with food. So she would literally eat, and then God would tell her, okay, that's enough. She would listen. She would just, for three weeks, closely listen to the Holy Spirit. She decided she's not going to even try on a dress again before the, like the day before, which I think is quite, <laughs> quite a bit of faith and guts. But she knew that the problem she has is not going to be fixed with dieting. 
There's nothing wrong with a good, healthy diet. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. It is just in her situation, dieting was not going to fix the problem. She went on a three-day fast. God changed her life forever. You see, a diet will change the way you look. A fast will change the way you see. It opens your eyes. It, it literally, like the pure in heart will see God. Fasting purifies us, body, soul, and spirit. So instead of just changing the way you look, that a diet does, uh, fasting will change the way that you see, that you perceive things, that you understand things, that you, you, will, you will get fresh revelation about life, about yourself, about different things in this world. So a diet will change the way you look. A fast will change the way you see. It is, it is really incredible to experience that when you fast. It works a dependence on God. So when we fast, we are totally dependent on the Lord. There's a scripture in Matthew 4 verse 4 that says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but... I love these scriptures, eh? There's a, there's a, there's a statement, and then it says, but... You know, it's a statement. Just read it in isolation. Man shall not live by bread alone. You know? Or deep darkness will cover the earth. <laughs> but there's a but. And the but is the exciting part. It is, it is the part that should give us hope. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that God speaks. So yes, we should eat. God designed our bodies to eat. However, he also designed our bodies to fast. To be to to purify, to to detox, if you want to use that word. He actually designed our bodies to be totally fine when we fast. But the it, it works a dependence on God. Have you ever experienced, for those of you who have fasted in the past, that you discover how emotionally dependent you are on food? How many have ever experienced that? Okay, five of you. Okay, I have, definitely. When I fast, I'm like, oh, I don't feel so well. I can't make myself coffee. Or, you know, you, you, you feel, I just discovered, I don't actually run to God. Immediately, when I feel down or emotional, I run to food. I run to a biscuit or a coffee or a whatever is in the house. Quick, quick, chocolate. You know, we run. We, we are very emotionally dependent on our snacks. Where the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone. And this is bread. I mean, what about all the other things we run to? But it says we will live by the word of God. And it really changes your dependence on the Lord when you fast. Because, you know, God, I feel so down. I can't have my chocolate now. Please help me. You're, totally, you're so totally dependent on God emotionally. And it changes you. It changes you for the good. It increases our faith. You all know the story of Esther. The beautiful girl who got married to the... She was an orphan. She got married to the king. She was selected. And God handpicked her, I believe. And, and there was one, one uh, official that worked with the king who wanted to kill all the Jews... And Esther said, well, uh, uh, um, her uncle, Mordecai, he said to her, Esther, you've got to do something about this. You are a Jew as well. Don't think that you're going to escape. And she called a fast. Now, that fast was quite radical. No food and no water. 
Okay? She didn't drink water either. If you look in the scripture, go gather all the Jews. Esther 4.16. Gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and fast for me. Neither eat or drink for three days. That's called an absolute fast. Absolute fast. You don't drink anything. You don't eat anything. If you've never fasted before, please don't start with an absolute fast. Please don't think you are, uh, you know. It's really easy the first hour. It's really easy. <laughs> you feel on top of the world, and then after six hours, nothing eating or drinking, you feel it. It's an absolute fast. This is the exception. Please, if you ever want to go on an absolute fast, make sure that you are accountable. Make sure you check with God. If there's any medical conditions, just make sure before you go on any absolute fast, okay? Neither water nor food. Um, There's different fasts, I'll come to that, but this one was an absolute fast, no water. We can go for quite a while without food. We can't go for a long time without water, so please be careful. This was an exception. There's not uh, many examples in the Bible about not eating, uh, not eating but not, not, not drinking water either. Okay, my mates and I will do likewise. So this is now Esther. She says, please everybody fast for me, no water, no food. My maids and I will do likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She wanted to go to the king to make a petition for a, a nation, but in, 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 according to the law, she was only allowed to go to him if she's called. He must call for her. Okay, praise God, it's not like that anymore. Only if your husband calls you, then you're allowed to go to him. <laughs> But according to law, she was, she was basically disobeying the law or breaking the law. She could die. She could literally die. They could kill her. Okay, that was how serious it was. So she called it fast and it boosted her faith. There's a, there's a faith component when it comes to fasting. When about, how many, 10 years ago, I felt God wanted me to fast for seven days on water only. And I know you do that all the time, you know, but for me it was quite huge. I was like, God, I cannot do that. I'm not going to make it. You know, I knew the way God was speaking to me. I knew, knew this is serious. Okay, I knew God was serious. It's not just a suggestion. He really wanted me to do it. And it was in a, in a week where I still had to work. It was, it was just a normal work day for me. A work week. And God actually prepared me months in advance. You see how God is so good. To, uh, he knows my personality. Okay, God can't tell me a week before the time I must fast on, on water for seven days. He knows I'm, I'm not going to make it. But God prepared me months in advance. He was speaking to me. But I was crying for months, literally. I was, I was really taking it serious. And I said, God, I can't do it. I'm not going to make it. Not on water for seven days. And I don't know how many of you have done a water fast only. It is, it is quite challenging. If you add any bit of juice, it's, it's much easier. But water only, well, for me, for me. I know all of you are spiritual giants. What happened in the end is um, Andre fasted with me. He said his poor wife's not going to make this on, on her own. So he fasted with me. And I did, I did it. I did it. Seven days. I, I've never done it again, so I don't think that I'm any, in any way special. But you know what? After that fast, I really thought I'm not going to make it. I honestly didn't think I could do it. 
it boosted my faith. Like, like I, I can't think of many, many things in my life, or many seasons in my life, when I finished something and I just knew nothing is impossible with God. <laughs> because surely I couldn't do it by myself. I knew I couldn't. I, I really, at that stage, also I really battled too fast. I would get physically sick. I would, you know, I, I was really battling. It's easier for me now. It was then very difficult. So I honestly didn't think I would be able to do it because I would uh, really battled. But my faith was so boosted. It's something that happens in you. You just know you can't do it. And that is the beauty of fasting. You know, the moment we say, God, I can't do it. I want to, and I, I want to, and I'm willing, but I really can't do it by myself. That is exactly how you must feel. And this is where God comes and he gives you supernatural strength and ability that, that is not your own. And you just know it, 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 it helps you to feel as if you can move mountains. You can jump over a fence with your God. You can, you can do anything. And this is what happened to Esther. God gave a supernatural faith to do something that she could have been killed for. And he changed the whole nation. Amen? It, it, it will increase your faith like nothing else. It brings answers and peace when life overwhelms us. Isaiah 58 verse 9. If you want to read up more on fasting, there's so many different things that, that we can talk about. But there's a chapter in Isaiah, Isaiah 58. It talks about where God says, is this not the fast that, that I want from you? So you can read from verse, verse 5, I think. Many, many different things that God says, this is what I want you to do when you fast. I'm not going to go into that this morning. But I just want to highlight this nine that says, then you shall call. So it's, it's God saying, is this not the fast that I've chosen for you? He gives quite a few things how he wants us to fast. And then in verse 9, he says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Isn't this awesome? You know, I think for me, one of my love languages is, is acts of service, or one of the, the primary love languages. So if somebody helps me or do something for me, I really feel loved, you know? So if I read a scripture like this, you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. It, it really speaks, it speaks my language because I know, God, I need you, and I cry out to you, and then God says, here I am, my beautiful darling, what can I do for you? I mean, it's just something that God comes and he says, I'm right here, I hear you, what do you want me to do for you? And I remember in my, in, when I was doing my articles in Stellenbosch my very first year, I had a very challenging first year of work. So if you've ever had a challenging year or if you're in your year, first year of, of work, I had a very challenging year, so I really sympathize with anybody who's going through challenges when they start working. But I, I, I was so overwhelmed around middle of the year. I wrote down 10 things. I still have that paper. I went through it again this week. I wrote down 10 things that was totally overwhelming me and out of my control and it was, it was so overwhelming for me. I failed my board exam, my accounting board exam. 
I didn't have a car. I only got my first car in September. I started working in January. So I had to work, look for lifts every day of my life. And we worked at different clients. So I didn't have transport. I failed my board exam. And then I had to do extra classes at UCT in Cape Town. I lived in Stellenbosch. I didn't have transport. That was just two of the things. You know, I failed my board exam. I didn't have transport. There were eight other things. It was so overwhelming. I had uh, colleagues at work that didn't know God. That was, I was a first-year article clerk, and there were these managers who didn't know God, and I felt so persecuted. You know, I felt so, it was so difficult now to go away on a weekend with, this, with my, my audit team, and nobody knew God, and I was, just, I was just totally overwhelmed with many things. I wrote it down. I said, God, I'm not coping. I'm seriously not coping. And when I prayed, I felt God saying to me, go on a three-day fast, a liquid fast. So I had juice as well, water and juice. Go on a three-day liquid fast. The moment I said, okay, God, I'll do it. The peace of God filled me. I remember it to this day. I was standing outside my flat waiting for my lift pick me up for work. I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I felt as if everything's going to sort out in that moment. The peace of God filled me in such a way, and it was big issues. It was really big things for me at that stage. The peace of God filled me, and one by one, all of those 10 things, I still, read, I still wrote down on the piece of paper, everything sorted out. <laughs> And I'm not saying fasting is magic. It's not that I'm saying. Fasting in itself is not going to change anything. But this is what I felt. I, I cried out to Lord, to the Lord. He said, here I am. This is what I suggest, Sonica. Fast for three days. And I just responded to God's, to, to his suggestion. You know, he's here to help me. So I just responded. It brought peace. And ultimately I knew, you know, God had a plan all together, you know, all along, he had a plan. But he wanted me to fast so that I can have a different perspective on these things, so that I can experience his peace, so that I can let go, so that I can know that God is in control and he's faithful and he's bigger. And fasting does that because it, it separates you from everything that's overwhelming. Because you just feel, when you fast, it feels if you're in a different world. I do. Everybody's eating. I'm not eating. <laughs> it feels like a different world, but it opens your eyes for a different perspective. It really does. And then I want to I wanna highlight something else. It chastens and disciplines our souls. And this is the one I want to I wanna highlight the most. In Psalm 69 verse 10, it was David speaking, King David. He said, when I wept and chastened my soul, with fasting. Very interesting scripture. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting. He's, he's explaining a scenario and he said, okay, but when I wept and I chastened my soul with fasting, these things happened. Chasten means to discipline or to train. So when we chasten our soul with fasting, we train our soul. We discipline our soul in the same way that you would do physical exercise. When you train your body, you discipline your body. We train our souls when we fast. And the reason for that is we are so often controlled by our emotions. As I share, you know, when you feel down, we run to, we run to our snack bar or our boltong 
or a something, you know, we run to something that is just going to give us a moment of comfort. And um, sometimes we need to train our souls not to be led by our emotions, but to be led by our spirits. Because ultimately, God wants to lead us. God wants to lead us. So I want to read you a, a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10. Maybe we can read this all together, just to make sure you're all awake. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, again in the Amplified Bible. Okay, let's read together. All things are legitimate, permissible, and we are free to do anything we please. But not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, and wholesome. All things... Next slide. All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. It's a very interesting scripture because the Apostle Paul is making an argument. He's now not talking about anything that is sinful. Okay, it's a whole chapter about, you must remember when, when they planted churches, the people had no idea what Christianity is all about. You know, they had no idea what is right, what is wrong, what is grace, what is law, what, what is what. And he had to teach them, church by church, person by person sometimes, wh- what is right and wh- what, is, what, is, what is of God and what is not. And the argument that he's making here, it's not talking about, can we now have sex before marriage? All things are legitimate. This is not what he's talking about. He's talking about things that they, they were confused about. Can we, can't we? And he was saying, all things are legitimate. Meaning, there are many things that is not sin. It's not necessarily against uh, what God wants you to do. And sometimes, what is right for person A is not good for person B. Okay? Or what is good. Not good necessarily, but what is not harmful for person A could be really harmful for person B. Because we are different. Our background is different. We grew up differently. We are drawn to different things in this world. And he's making an argument that even though all things are legitimate, like paging through a magazine or watching a movie, you know, those kind of legitimate things, it's not always good for us. It's not always helpful. It's not always constructive to our character and edifying to our spiritual life. And this is what fasting also really helps us with, to identify things that we are drawn to. So I want to ask you this morning, I'm going to pray that God will highlight things in you that you are drawn to. I'm not talking about sin, so don't even look now for sin in your life, okay? We're not look for sin. The Holy Spirit highlights things. I ask that God will come and highlight things that you are drawn to. And that he will show you, is it good, is it not good? Is it helpful? For you? Is it good for your character, your spiritual growth, or not? I remember a time when, uh, before we came to East London, that God led me for a period of three months not to buy anything for myself. Nothing. Except food. I mean, I had to live. I had to survive. But nothing personal. Not clothes. Not... I mean, and it's just incredible if you put aside a time frame of three months. How many things you realize you buy for yourself all the time? Things you don't need. Things you don't even only 
things maybe you don't even want, but you buy it. You buy it for some reason. And it changed me. It, it opened my eyes. It opened my eyes to see how I thought at that stage I need clothes. And God said, no, you're not going to buy yourself something for three months or anything. And I was just surprised how I was just totally fine with what I had. I was totally fine. And I thought before that I need some things. So I want to ask you, have you ever fasted from shopping? It's one of those things. Remember, all things are legitimate. Nothing wrong with shopping. But if you are drawn to it, if you are, I'm talking to the men as well. eh? I know you think the girls are the shoppers. I know what you think. But have you ever fasted from shopping? Have you ever fasted from buying things for yourself that you are drawn to? Have you ever done that? You know, I see the effect on my son when it comes to computer games. When he's not really playing games, he's like all kinds of, we try to make it as educational as possible, but it's, you know, the games slip through here and then. But I see the effect. She's looking for a mommy. Okay. <laughs> I see the effect on my son. He's six year old. I see the effect on his heart when there's too much screen time. He changes from a pleasant little boy to, I'm bored, I've got nothing to do, I'm moody, I'm grumpy, and I don't like this world, you know? Really? Vian is the most pleasant little thing. I mean, I love him to bits. In the moment, I mean, I just don't like him. When he's on, I don't like him when he's has got too much screen time. And we just, we, we just seen the effect. So I want to ask you, have you ever fasted from computer games? If that is something that you're drawn to, have you ever stayed away for a month, stayed away for a week, stayed away for six months? Have you ever done that? God will open your eyes like never before. He will open your eyes. How many of you have ever paged through a house and home magazine? And you look at your house and you think, oh, I'm so discontented with my house. My house is ugly. I must change some colors, some furniture. I don't have money. I'm upset. I'm discontent. I'm frustrated. Okay? I'm, okay, no, nobody. Okay, it's all right. <laughs> or you look through the getaway magazine. I don't know what magazines you read. Okay? You look through the getaway and you just see all these holiday destinations, and you really want to go, and you think, when last did we go on holiday? And we don't have money, and my husband's busy, and there's just never time. And now, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm angry, and I'm, I'm frustrated, and you're discontent. It changes you from, I've got a pretty home, I've got everything that I need, and once again, okay, just see it in perspective, all things are legitimate. There's nothing wrong with making your house pretty. There's nothing wrong to do a makeover, to do over your, your bedroom or your bathroom or your kitchen. There's really nothing wrong. I'm talking about if we are drawn to things that make us upset, discontent, angry, frustrated, that's not good for our spiritual growth. Have we ever stayed away from that for a season? So that God can open our eyes for what is really happening in our hearts. Have you ever walked out of a movie that you knew was a mistake? Have you ever switched off, amen, thank you. <laughs> have you ever switched off a DVD that you have got at the, the DVD shop? Have you ever switched it off when you knew this is a mistake? 
Or do you just do it and, oh, it was a mistake and I'll just repent afterwards or whatever? Have you ever walked away? Do you know that Fifty Shades of Grey, that the age restriction in the UK was 18? I don't know how many of you know that. In South Africa, they made it 16. LNS, 16. It's the same movie. It's the same movie, but would you agree that 16 looks and feels and sounds more innocent than 18? It's the same movie. In the UK, it was 18. It's really upsetting to me. You know, and and not that any one of you should watch the movie, but you you will get the girls that is 16-year-old that now they feel it's okay. And... I've just, I've just watched and seen and, and read things in my life that I'm so regretful that, you know, I've exposed myself to that. I read a book by a girl that was molested by a stepdad and it was kind of a documentary and I really felt it's going to help me to, uh, to sympathize and empathize and counsel ladies who's been through a situation like that. I so regret that I read the book. There was no redemption. There was no Jesus in the book. It took me months to get those images out of my head. It haunted me. It haunted me for a, a, it, it messed up my whole holiday, for starters. I mean, Andre didn't know what was going on with me because I was just so upset about this book. And, and I didn't, I, I read it, the whole thing. And I thought, surely there must be redemption. Surely this girl is going to meet Jesus and then there's going to be redemption. There was nothing. There was just destruction. And... So I want to ask you, how many times have we done things that we regret? We regret. So I want to encourage you, don't just watch a movie because you're bored. I'm bored, let's go to the movies, see what's there. Don't do that. Please at least check the age restriction as a minimum. But you can't even trust the age restrictions. I've come across a really nice website. I've put it up there, uh, christiananswers.net. If you want to take that down... It, it gives you a review, a Christian review on all movies. It has helped me so much. There were movies that I really wanted to watch. It looked like a nice romantic thing. You know, I can convince my husband to watch with me. And I read the, the review and I was just, ah, sorry. This man is leaving his wife. And, you know, it is just like the, the, it would have also been maybe okay. But I just said to myself, I'm not identifying with this. I'm not identifying with this. So I want to encourage you, for all of us it's different. But please, please make a deliberate effort to guard what you see, what you hear, what you, what you are exposed to. Because there, as I say, there's, there's things in my life that I wish I didn't see. I wish I weren't exposed to that. And but, but, however, there's the but, eh? There's darkness. Deep darkness will cover the earth, but the Lord will arise over us. It should motivate us to, to shine our light stronger. It should motivate us to be different. It should motivate us to say, God, there's darkness in this world, but I'm going to put on my armor, and I'm going to do whatever is in my ability to stay pure so that I can see you. So I really believe God is raising up a new generation. You know, remember the, the Israelites in the desert? There were the two guys, remember? Two of the spies. What were their names? Amen. They had a different spirit. They had a different spirit. Amen. 
The rest of the Israelites, what happened to them? They died in the desert. Okay, not because they were bad people, but they didn't have a different spirit like Joshua and Caleb. God said, there's two men, I can work with you. God is looking for one man and one woman with a different spirit. One, he had two. He said, I can take the promised land with Joshua and Caleb. Because they had a different spirit. They said, we are well able. They looked away. And they had a different spirit. They looked away from the giants. They looked away from all the negativity. And they said, God, you're with us. We can do it. Amen? We can do it. We must have a different spirit. So I want to encourage you this morning. Let's be different. Let's be different. Even if you're unpopular. Even if you look uncool. Let's be different. The blessing, enviably, uh, spiritually prosperous, enviably fortunate, and happy. That is what blessing contains. But we have to position ourselves in a place of purity so that we can see God. Amen? Amen. The band can join me on stage. I want you to take these little cards, please. 21 days of fire. It's also one of the things that's on your chairs. So please look for it if you haven't seen it yet. The Bible says we must be doers of the words. Amen? Not hearers only, but doers of the words. So if we're going to walk out here this morning and say, Oh, it was a good message, lovely message. Thank you, thank you that you think it was a good message. (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) If we walk out here and we we don't have an action plan, we don't have something to work towards, we're just going to be hearers of the word. So what are we planning in January? And I know nobody thinks about January 2016 yet. Okay, I, I know that. I understand that. But I want, I want you to prayerfully consider joining us for a 21-day Daniel fast. Praise God, it's not an absolute fast. Okay? It's not even a total or a normal fast where it's only water. This is going to be a Daniel fast. For those of you who want to do water only, the strong spiritual giants for 21 days. You're very welcome to do that. But we're planning a Daniel fast from 7 January to, 21, to 28 January next year. And I really want to encourage you. We've never done this as a church, a 21-day fast. It is going to be life-changing. It's going to be life-changing. And we're really trusting God for two things. We're trusting Him for purity. And the one hand a pure generation, that we would be able to see him. And then we're also trusting him for his power to be released in us. We need God's power. Amen? Even the best teaching, the best song, the best anything in church without God's presence and his power is not going to change us. We need his power so that we can do the works that Jesus did. Whenever, where Jesus was, there was change. There was healing. There was deliverance. There was people being set free. And this is what we trust the Lord for.